Uh, I'm going to add another announcement, and I would do the same thing. But it's Jimmy's birthday on the on Tuesday, the 17th. Um, but it, it just feels very awkward announcing anything for yourself. And so remember uh, Jimmy and wish him a happy birthday. Um, I'm appreciative of Sean uh, uh, filling in for Billy Frank this morning. Um, uh, his willingness always to serve. Um, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. Um, Y'all are what makes this congregation able to uh, do the things that uh, we're able to do. Uh, Carolyn uh, uh, preparing the Lord's Supper. And then Charlotte, she wanted to make uh, that pretty arrangement. If, if y'all don't look at it on your way out, she made an arrangement for the, the um, foyer. And so uh, she her willingness to, to serve the Lord too. And so uh, we're just truly grateful for each and every one of you. Um, and uh, keep uh, writing your prayers. Uh, he's he started playing in um, flag football, and he has a game today. That he'll he'll stay safe, um, and that he won't be injured. Um, him and his teammates. Uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of Peter, and so this morning we're going to look at First Peter, chapter two, uh, part one. In verse one, Peter writes, "Wherefore laying aside all malice." and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. And so, uh, take a look at the, what those Greek words mean. Malice, uh, the Greek word, it means uh, naughtiness or wickedness. Guile uh, is deceit. Hypocrisies is deceit by dissimulation. Dissimulation just simply means that you're deceitful, you conceal your deceitfulness. Uh, we, we, we know, we're very familiar with uh, hypocrites. Well, what does a hypocrite do? They tell you one thing, but then they go and do it themselves. They deceitfully uh, conceal that they're actually partaking in the very thing that they're, they're telling you not to do. Uh, envies would be ill will, uh, jealousy, and then evil speaking. That could be backbiting or defamation. I, I, I should have probably underlined that one. And so what is Peter referring to with such words that he's using here? Well, notice he said, wherefore. So we need to go back to the previous chapter to see what he's talking about. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, as we had concluded last week, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So he's telling them to turn away from deceit, turn away from wickedness, turn away from concealed deceit, Turn away from jealousy. Turn away from backbiting talk. Well, the gospel is truth. It's not deceit. The gospel is righteousness. It's not wickedness. The gospel is revealed truth. It's not concealed lies. The gospel saves all. It's for all. It's not uh, that someone can be envious and that they can never attain what we've attained. And the gospel glorifies God and His Son. It's not defaming God is bringing glory to God and His Son. When I didn't put it in my lesson, but remember what, what Paul writes. He says that they will come a time when they will turn their ears from the truth, having itching ears, and being turned to what? Fables, lies. And so Peter's telling the brethren here, and verse 2 is going to it's going to really narrow down who he's speaking to. But he's telling them to 
to don't be turned to lies. You're saved. You're the elect. Make sure that you turn away from all that, uh, all those things that will deceive you and to turn to the pure gospel. Let the gospel direct you in all things. That's what Paul tells the young preacher Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That simply means it's God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We don't need any other thing. All we need is the word of God. And it will direct our steps. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, notice what he says, as newborn babes. And so these Christians he's talking to, he's calling them, you're like uh, newborn babes in Christ. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. New Christians should have a desire for the word of God. That word sincere there. It means undeceitful. Notice that kind of goes with verse 1. Undeceitful, unadulterated. It's just the pure word of God. It's not been perverted in any way. Seek the true gospel, not a perverted one. Uh, that's what uh, Paul is, is dealing with in the book of Galatians when he's saying that if anyone comes and preaches another gospel to you, let them be accursed. They were perverting the gospel of God. But notice it says that you grow by the milk of the word. And so this letter is probably to new converts, as we had noticed in, in chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, who having not seen, so we know that these Christians here had not seen Jesus Christ. Ye love in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so we know that these these. These Christians here were not disciples of Christ if they had not seen him. They were not disciples during his earth ministries. But notice it's, he's telling them to grow on the simple, simple principles in the gospel of Christ to obtain the spiritual maturity to handle the meat of the word for discernment. You start with the, the, the first principles. And so a Christian's journey is to start with milk but it should not stay there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, when Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Why? For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. And so he's telling them, I've been feeding you with milk because you cannot handle the, the harder things of word, the word of God. You can't handle the meat. But what was wrong with the brethren at Corinth? Why were they not able to, uh, to obtain the meat? In verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? They hadn't reached the spiritual maturity that they should have been at at this juncture. And so they were carnal-minded instead of spiritual-minded. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, the writer writes, For when for, when for the time ye ought to be what? Teachers. 
Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle of God. And so uh, new converts would need to really focus their learning on the first principles of the oracle of God. And that they may need to be teach those again and again. Because so much uh, information is being poured out on them when they first get converted that they may not be able to grasp or, or wrap their mind around everything that they are supposed to do to be pleasing to God. And are become as such as need of milk and not of strong meat. And so what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is they should have been to the spiritual maturity that they could have been teachers. These weren't new converts. But he says you have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. And so new converts are not going to be able to uh, discern, as we're going to continue to see, everything both good and evil. Uh, for he is a babe. Okay? And so when you are a newborn baby, uh, you have to, you're, you begin on milk. You don't have solid foods in the beginning because your body is not able to bear or to be able to digest or chew those um, solid foods. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. That means mature, spiritually mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In 2 Timothy 2.15 uh, Paul says, study to show thyself approved on the man, uh, on the God, a workman that men might be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so through study of the Bible, you should become that spiritually mature person that God would have you to be. God expects us all to reach that spiritual maturity. Not to always just be on the milk of the word, but to desire and feed upon the meat of the word. But God's telling us there's a there's a there is a process and that you can't feed on meat right away. You have to start with the first principles of God. However, those that are not spiritually mature should not be teachers because it says those that are full of age, well, the ones that are full of age are the ones that should be teachers. And he's saying that they should have been teachers. In verse 3 of our text in 1 Peter chapter 2, if so, be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In Acts chapter 20, verses 32, And now, brethren, I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them, among all them which are sanctified. And so here Paul is speaking to who? The elders in Ephesus. And he's telling them, remember he told them earlier to feed the church uh, with the um, to feed the church. He's telling the elders to feed the church. Well, what were they to feed them? They're to feed them the word of his grace. The word of God is gracious. Christians tasted the word of his grace and obedience to the gospel. It was desirable then. Let it continue to be desired. A, a new convert should desire the word of God. That's the only way that they'll continue to grow. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And so to, to the word, to whom coming? Well, who, who came to him? The ones that have tasted the words of his grace. 
You came to Jesus for salvation. Keep coming back to him. Keep desiring. You accepted his word, but so many rejected the gospel. On the day of Pentecost, I've made mention in previous weeks, millions of Jews heard the word of God preached, but only 3,000 accepted it as truth. And we're about to see that the that the men that didn't uh, that didn't receive it, they rejected him. In First Peter chapter two verse five, but notice he just said that Christ was a living stone, and now he says, "Ye also, as lively stones or living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ." And so Jesus Christ is a living stone, and so Christians are also to be these living stones. We make up a spiritual house. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, when Paul's writing to the young preacher Timothy, he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest notice how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Well, Christ is God. We learn that very clearly from John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. Christ is the living stone. He's the living God. And so it was the church of the living God, and so is the church of Christ. So the holy priesthood offers spiritual sacrifices. That would be prayers, songs, communion, offering the word of God. That's your five acts of worship. But these are spiritual sacrifices. It's not as we're slaughtering a, a lamb on the day that we come together to uh, cleanse us of our sins, knowing that we've had Christ uh, uh, die on the cross once and for all. But why are they acceptable? Why are these spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God, why are they acceptable? Only those washed in baptism have access to the spiritual blessings in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And again, in order to get into Christ, one to get into Christ, uh, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 is by baptism. Or you can go to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6 to see that you're also baptized into Christ. And so God only responds to the prayers of the saints. That's the easiest spiritual blessing to pull out of the five acts of worship to show that those outside of Christ, um, they pray in vain. In John chapter 9, verse 31, uh, the blind man, he says, Now we know it that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And so you say, well, that was told by the blind man. Well, in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, that very same concept is, is uh, taught that God doesn't answer the prayers of sinners. He hides his face from those of iniquity. And so God doesn't respond to the prayers of sinners. It tells us that you already must be a worshiper of God and you must be one that's doing his will. When we obey the gospel, we begin at that point doing his will. And then we were eligible to actually worship God the way that he has authorized us to worship. 
You can even go back to our gospel meeting when Jason did the, the tabernacle and he showed that prayer, the, the, um, the incense was represented prayer and that's inside the holy place. But you have to, in order to get into the holy place, the church, you have to be baptized outside the door first. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter con continues, Wherefore also it contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. We had read about Sion when we were talking about the church. I believe I, Isaiah talks about Sion. And so he's saying in Sion I have, I have uh, laid a chief cornerstone. And so Jesus was the chief cornerstone. A chief cornerstone assures that a building is true or plumb. And so you would put that in the corner and all, all other stones would be built off of that. And that makes sure that the building, in the uh, when they use stones for uh, structure, that the building was true and plumb. It didn't lean. Well, Jesus is truth. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh on the Father but by me. And so him being the chief cornerstone, he's true. And so everything that aligns next to him will be true. When the apostles obeyed his teachings, they relate against the chief cornerstone, that would be Christ. Every time a person becomes a Christian, they are added to the spiritual house. God's kingdom continues to grow, filling the earth, Daniel chapter 2, verses 35 and 44. Acts 2.47 Praise God and have a favor with all the people in the Lord added to the church, the spiritual house. Daily such as should be saved. And so every time, on that, three, on that day, 3,000 stones were added to the, the spiritual house. We are lively stones because Jesus quickened us at the obedience to the gospel. We have talked about that numerous times, how that at baptism, he quickened our spirit. He's made us alive because we were spiritually dead before the obedience to the gospel. First <clears throat> Peter chapter 2, verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And so, to a Christian, Jesus Christ is so valuable. Precious. Remember, we looked at that word precious. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corrupted things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood, valuable blood of, of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It took the death of our Savior to redeem us from our wickedness. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, when Paul's writing to the church at Rome, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were, uh, he died for sinners. But notice what Paul says, much more than. He's, he's more valuable. Why? Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Jesus is more valuable to us after obedience to the gospel because we will not receive what we've earned. 
Jesus Christ is so precious. Those that don't believe the gospel reject Jesus just as the Jews did when they crucified him. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, when Paul's writing to the church of Thessalonica, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And so those that reject the gospel, though they're rejecting Christ, they know not God, and they will have that home in that lake of fire. But why do they reject Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. And a stone of stumbling. So if Jesus Christ is the stone, the lively stone, that's the stone we're talking about. He was a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The simple gospel of Christ is a stumbling block to the unbeliever. Baptism is an offense. His church is an offense. Acapella singing is an offense. That's uh, so many times today when you try to point out the, the simple truths, the first principles of God to the unbeliever, they say baptism doesn't matter. Any church, you can be of any church, and then they'll say, well, we like musical instruments. But those are offenses. Those are stumbling blocks because the Bible does not teach anything contrary to those three. But notice it also said appointed. Those that were appointed. God knew a majority would reject his son and his gospel. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. He said a majority would reject it, and they would be destroyed. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth on light, and few there be that find it. Few be there that will be chosen, because they will, what? Obey it. Well, notice the words of Jesus in reference to his, his blood. Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for what? Many. It doesn't say for all. It says for many for the remission of sins. Uh, Jimmy read a passage this morning uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, and then Sean read it again in the Lord's Supper, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For he shall bear their iniquities. Who? The many. The first time I ever really uh, honed in on it this morning was in your class, Jimmy, so I, I appreciate it. Jesus didn't say it was shed for all. It was only shed for the elect, his church. Notice in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the church. People say he's the Savior of the world, and he is. Those that obey it. 
But he only, his blood only bought his church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. If, if it wasn't clear enough, uh, Paul's going to make it a little more clear. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He's the Savior of his church. He gave himself on the cross for the church, not the world. That's what he purchased with his blood. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Before obedience to the gospel, you were not a child of God. Before obedience to the gospel, you had not the mercy of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Will receive him, how? By believing his teachings. Then you are able to have the power to become a son of God. Those that didn't reject Jesus, God gave them power to become children of God. And we know that the power of God is the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God on salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And so if you want to be a child of God, it starts with the gospel of Christ. How did one become a child of God? In John chapter 1 verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so they were born of the will of God. That sounds like Mark uh, 16 verse 15 and 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Born again in the baptism waters. We learned about that in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5. Uh, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 3, he says, Except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And so in verse 1, he was telling them to, to turn away from deceitfulness, from those, from those that may teach that once saved, always saved. There's nothing that will separate you from our God. Well, they're using that, content, that out of context in the book of Romans because the same thing that separated us from God in the first place was sin. The same thing that will take us away from God is sin. Man can't take you away. You can take yourself away. Dearly beloved, I beseech you that you abstain from flesh and lust. And so now he's, he's saying to the baby Christian, carnal things will be a bigger temptation to you because you're just, you're just starting to study the Word of God. Abstain from flesh and lust. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Put the teachings of the Spirit in your mind, that sincere milk of, of the Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, Paul says, For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so there is a transition that will take place after obedience to the gospel. You're still partly carnal. You have to keep, as Paul said, he buffeted himself daily so that he would not be a castaway when he preached to others.
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so we had talked about this conversation before. That's your behavior, your manner of life. And so you should be honest before men. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul writing to the, the second letter to the church there in Corinth, he says, Ye are our others, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. We are living epistles. Our lifestyle will dictate whether we're living by the, by the Bible or by the world. Our behavior should be in line with the Word of God. Men will see it and make their conclusions. If we say we are a Christian and participate, well, participate in simple activities, men will call us hypocrites. Our influence matters. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, I'm from the Sermon of the Mount. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. In a dark world, we are the only source of light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. That they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The world may speak evil at us at first. Speak evil of us at first. Sorry, wrong word. However, by our good works that can be seen... They will glorify God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, how do we know how to do good works? We've already seen that the Word of God uh, completely furnishes the man of God in all good works. But they're going to glorify God in the day of visitation. In Acts chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 14, this should be Simon. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. God visits through the gospel being preached. And so God visited the Gentiles first at the house of Cornelius. Uh, Acts chapter 10. When the gospel is preached to the lost, we live our lives in such a way that we walk worthy of the gospels and others will want what we have. But it all starts by obeying obedience to his gospel. As we've, as we've uh, studied that that's how these, the elect... Uh, became Christians was through the sanctification of the Spirit and come in contact with the blood of Christ at baptism. And so you have to hear the Word of God in Romans 10, 17. That's how we build our faith. Our faith is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. When we see that our lives doesn't align with the Word of God, that should lead one to repentance. And so many at this time of year, they make New Year's resolutions. Well, those are repentance, really, to themselves, right? They, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to find a new job. The Christian, every day, is a new day. We always need to be making our resolutions to serve God purely. Now, as Paul said, I buffet myself 
daily repentance. Repentance is a change of heart that produces a change of life. Uh, a good example of that is when uh, the man told his sons to go such a place, and he says, I will not go, but then he later repented and went. Well, when we see that we're living a certain way that doesn't align with God's word, then we need to say, I'm going to change, and I'm going to go the way the Father tells me to go. That's repentance. If, without repentance, we will perish, Luke 13, 3 and 5. And then we must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is the confession made on the salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then we must allow someone to immerse us in water to have our sins washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. That puts one in Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. It's um, at that point that we are that lively stone because we've been made alive. We are added to the spiritual house, that is the church, Acts 2, 47. And then we must live faithfully. That's what Paul's uh, Peter's dealing with. He's telling them, even though you're a new convert, you still need to put away the old man. Don't, don't give in to those fleshly lusts. And so we must live faithful to God, Revelation 2.10. And so the act of repentance never stops, unfortunately. We're always constantly working on ourselves to make ourselves uh, not sinlessly perfect, but spiritually mature, complete. And so if there's any that have obeyed the gospel, but perhaps uh, you have not lived... Uh, for God, you, you live for self. We can help you in either way if you come to front us together. We stand and sing the song for you.